JavaScript in London. Um, thanks for joining us this evening. And um, yeah, for those that don't know, I'm Matthew Elstow from Oliver Bernard. Um, and I've been doing JavaScript recruitment for about seven years now. Um, so I've seen a lot of changes during that time um, in terms of the market and demand and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, we've seen recently, we've seen a, a big increase in interest around Next.js. So yeah, really looking forward to hearing Beautify's take on the topic. And um, so yeah, I'll pass you over to Carl Pierce initially, and then we'll have Redian as well, who's the tech lead um, a bit later on. Um, in terms of questions, can we sort of keep those towards the end of um, the chats and obviously put any questions into the chat box as well? But yeah, I'll pass you over to Carl now. Well, thank you, Matthew. Um, yeah, quick introduction. I'll jump straight in. Let me uh, share my screen first. Thank you very much, Matthew, for the opportunity to uh, to present. It's uh, BeautyPie is quite a new product engineering organisation. We've only really just started, so it's great for the opportunity to share what we're doing and the team we built already. Um, but uh, let me share my screen first. So everyone should see the landing pages, which is what you saw on the uh, the meetup. And before I start, though. Uh, can I have a quick introduction to Redian? So I'm going to cover the first part, which is the who is Beautify, what we're trying to do um, from an engineering and a business perspective, and then how we're aligning our technology to uh, achieving all these business goals. And then I'm going to hand over to Redian. He's going to walk through a lot more detail around the types of technology we're using and why, specifically around Next.js and Chakra. Um, Redian, do you want to have a quick two seconds before uh, I jump in, just to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having us. Um, great opportunity to speak to you um, and share our experience with um, relatively modern technology for web development. My name is Redian. I'm the tech lead here at uh, Beauty Pie. As Carl mentioned, uh, we are a relatively um, new team. We only started, um, I think, sometime August last year, but we've done pretty good progress and um, and uh, we, we are, we're glad to be able to share it with, with, you, with everyone. Thanks for having us. Cool. Thank you, Redian. So um, let me jump straight in then. Um, so the first one is really then, what is Beauty Pie? And here's a, quite a, uh, a bold picture, a bold statement there. And, and it's very much aligned around kind of the industries I've been working in all my career. So I've been in FinTech for most of my career and you know, 20 years ago, the industry was dominated by large conglomerates who had a very one-sided relationship between consumers. And so there's always a, a, a bad relationship and a bad level of service for consumers in banking. And over the last 20 years, that's significantly changed. And so there's a lot higher mature um, fintech community of which there's a lot fairer relationship between consumers and large banks and conglomerates. So there's been a huge amount of disruption in that space. But if you look at cosmetics and beauty, it's actually lagging by 20 years or even more, as in the industry itself is, is dominated by large conglomerates who've got a similar somewhat one-sided relationship with consumers, as in a consumer has to pay a significant price for a luxury product, sometimes three, four, even $500. But the actual price of that product is maybe over only $10. So again, it's a one-sided, maybe an unfair relationship that the consumer is paying a significant amount of money to access a luxury product, but the product itself is only worth $10. So they're paying a huge amount of the brand and marketing machine that sits behind with these large conglomerates. 
again, looking back to fintech, that's very similar to the market that, that existed back there. So we've really at the start of this opportunity to start to do some interesting disruption. And I guess that bold picture is exactly that, that the, the market is really ripe for disruption. And we're probably one of the earlier pioneers to be able to start doing some interesting disruption around actually creating a fairer relationship between a, a, a beauty cosmetic brand and a consumer. Uh, so that it's easily uh, more affordable to a wider audience beyond just the three four hundred dollar kind of price tag for, for luxury um, cosmetic products. So how do we do that? Um, so we've kind of created this notion of a, a beauty club. It's around, actually beauty pies around five years old. It's, it was a surprise to me when I joined them back in August, but they're still really early on in their journey of digital disruption within cosmetics. Uh, and they've done that, or we're doing that, sorry, uh, through a, a membership model, model where you can access products at pretty much near cost price, uh, but to do so, you need to be a member. Uh, we use the same labs or the best labs in the world to create the product. So it's, it's very similar or even better than what you can buy in the high street. But by taking away all the, the other middlemen, the markup, the retailers, the, the celebrities who, who try to, the branding machine behind the large conglomerates, we're able to offer the same product at probably 80% less than the high street. And so that's seen a significant level of interest in acquisition. So now we've got a pretty big footprint in the UK. We're also in North America, uh, growing really fast. Uh, we've got around a hundred people in Beauty Pie today. Again, most of that organization has been traditionally looking at the wet product um, as in all the cosmetics. And so it's only recently then Beautify started to invest in product engineering function as in, I was the first to join in August. Uh, we've seen a significant growth in e-commerce as lots of uh, e-commerce businesses have over the last 12 months through COVID, a huge mobile adoption. Um, and so we're kind of at the start of building the opportunity around digital adoption of a consumer brand in a space where I think we could do a, a bunch of disruption. Anyway, that's enough about Beauty Pie. Um, what we came to do to share with this group more so is the technology we're using or choosing where we're very early in our journey around digital adoption. Even though it's a five-year-old business, we're starting to understand our consumers a lot more and what kind of digital services we're looking to provide. Uh, and the first bit we're looking at is actually the, the website, um, as in how do consumers interact with the services Beauty Pie can offer? Traditionally, over the last five years of Beautify's growth, it's been done using an um, IBM commerce platform. Again, it's not quite what I'd have chosen, but it's got us to where we are at the moment. So we're starting to decouple that into, from that big monolith into now um, best-in-class decouple services. So we have an e-commerce platform providing e-commerce services like add to bag and checkout and things. But right now we're building the client facing elements of, of, um, of the consumer facing things, which is the, the website services. Uh, why are we focusing on that first? Well, I think if you looked on our site, it's a very complex and busy relationship with a consumer who's new to Beauty Pie as a brand. I'd never heard of them and lots of my friends have never heard of Beauty Pie. So there's a significant level of friction, both on terms of the brand and the name. It's like trust in that brand. You're going to put this on your skin. Do you trust the product enough? Do you understand our business model, which is different than a transactional business model? You come, you have to join and make some level of commitments as a member of the club to access products at a lower price. And so there's all the, a bunch of friction already in the user experience before we even start to think about UX and design and, and creating a really simple 
digital experience to allow each users to shop. And so we, we, we're looking at re-platforming that element of the, the, the service today whilst we continue to use a lot of the other services. So today is really focusing on well, what technology is out there for that bit of the jigsaw uh, and how did we decide on what's right for Beauty Pie. The, there's actually an overwhelm. There's probably an overwhelming choice available. I mean, here's some examples around like responsive and adaptive and progressive and native and single page. And there's all these kind of technologies and words that people use quite flippantly, often sometimes misused uh, or misunderstood. Uh, and if, if they aren't used correctly in the right context and chose, choose the right technology for the right business problem, it's huge cost to a business in terms of acquisition or, or making the wrong decisions and have to wind back those decisions and start again. These types of decisions right early on in the, in the acquisition ch channels can be quite expensive. You don't have a, a quite an informed approach around what you're choosing and why. We could also fold on all the other technologies around Vue and Next and React and Chakra and Gatsby and all the other kind of other specific technologies to achieve kind of our goals. And again, it's overwhelming the types of choice you have available. So why did Beautypie choose Next.js and Chakra? So I was gonna go through now the specifics around the the website design and things like that. Why do we choose a reactive PWA um, server-side static generation site? Um, before I then I hand over to Reddin and can go through the specifics around Next.js and Chakra and other things that we've built as an engineering function uh, as we start to scale. So the first thing is really, before we get into the details, well, what we're we trying to achieve as a business. Um, in that, I mean, there's probably, you'll see very similar things across all e-commerce platforms. So multi-device mobile first, again, a very common thing that I'm sure every e-commerce um, organization will aspire to be. Um, mobile first, of course, the majority of our shop is done on mobile device. Again, we're very similar to lots of other e-commerces, but multi-device, we want to create a service which is hugely, hugely accessible and easy to use, no matter what platform they're trying to use it, whether it's on their mobile, on the tablet, on the desktop, on the 42 inch screen at home, on the Alexa. Again, a very accessible service to allow people to shop whenever they want to shop. Um, we want it to be super fast, lightning speed, why? Uh, there's a huge correlation between the speed of the site and the acquisition. So a one second delay in a page load time equals around a 10% 10, 10 reduction in acquisition on shopping. Uh, so the faster the, the, the service, by far the better for a great experience and a great shopping experience and high acquisition. But also around the next one, around discoverability. Uh, Google and all the other indexes see the site speed as by far the most important element of when they're indexing the site. So the higher the speed, the more likely that we're going to be, I mean, there's lots more to it than just speed, the, the more likely we are to be up there in the top search results for when people are searching for cosmetic products around what we cover in Beauty Pie. So speed and discoverability are, are really important parts of the technology we want to choose so that we always appear in everyone's um, organic search for lipstick and cosmetics and things like that. Um, I mentioned earlier around friction. So again, we were a brand new brand with new products that people are gonna put on their skin with a new business model around membership. It isn't a transactional e-commerce. So there's already a bunch of friction in terms of acquisition uh, that we have to live with. That's the nature of growing a young business. 
So we, we are acutely aware of any friction in the digital relationship is, is an absolute minimum. We'd have to try and keep friction to a minimum. And I'll go through some of what those friction points could be and how we've tried to minimize or eliminate them. Of course, it's gonna be safe. Uh, and we've got to try uh, in the modern world when people may not have the, the strongest bandwidth or being online or on the tube, latest technologies allow users or consumers to actually shop anywhere whenever they want to even when they're offline and again i think as we start to make it an accessible service on multiple devices having the ab ability to shop online is going to be a really important part of our technical engineering ability um, so that again it's easy discoverable and low low friction so these are kind of the overarching business functions. So how do we align our decisioning to achieve these kind of business goals? Um, the first one, again, a somewhat random order, but the first one was really around, well, from a UX perspective, like how do we want to build the site? What do we want it to look like? Uh, and there's kind of two ways which we started to think about it, either from a, like an adaptive approach, which is what Amazon do. So what that means is they can build one specific site for every type of device. So is an example for a desktop. They have a wholly different experience to compare to a mobile, compared to a tablet. So they're actually building multiple websites and each website is optimized for that specific device. So they may see a video on one, you may see a completely different website on another one, a very, what's called adaptive approach to UX design. And compared to the other one, which is responsive saying, well, all the assets are largely the same, irrespective of the device you're gonna work with, and then it reorganizes the assets on the screen to optimize around the size of the, of the screen you're on. Um, so we went with responsive, um, largely because going back to the number of channels that consumers engage with us from a commerce perspective, um, it's very, very difficult to plan and build product around every type of device that's out there from a 42 inch screen, which people shop on, through to a desktop, a large screen desktop or a small screen, through to a tablet, through to an iPhone 5. And so trying to build multiple websites for all those different devices was just inordinately complex. And we'd have to maintain lots of different versions uh, like Amazon, I'm sure I have to as well. So we went with more like what, uh, what um, Starbucks do as in a responsive, it's a similar experience. It's got value from a UX perspective as well as familiarity. So if they're shopping on desktop and then shopping on mobile, you don't have to think twice around how the site's organized. It's just organized slightly different, but it's not a significantly different experience. But for engineering also, we've got to do things once, uh, which we, we didn't really want to have to have the overhead of doing things five times or six times or every possible um, the, um, combination of different devices. So that's the first decision, quite an easy one. Um, the next one is really, well, what kind of experience uh, do we want to create would it be like a native app or would it be a progressive app or would it be some other kind of digital website um, and we went with progressive uh, this is probably one of the harder decisions uh, because a lot of organizations think about native and native shopping and especially when our membership it, it kind of aligns itself very much to a repeat business uh, and using again and again and again something which again lends itself very much to having a native app on your on your on your phone. But going back to friction again, we're trying to minimise the friction as as for consumers. We want people just to come in and shop. And so there's there's a, a quite a bit a lot of friction for a consumer to find us on the store, um, to then download us, maybe even 
have to make space on their phone to delete another app before they can load our app. And there's a lot of friction actually for a consumer to even start to shop when they have to go to an app store to find us. And with friction being one of the more important elements, we want to reduce that as much as possible. We actually went with a progressive app saying, well, actually, we, we want to have a, a mobile first type of experience. We want to have a native like experience, which progressive can give. We, we want to remove all that friction as well. Um, progressive also gives a lot of other benefits. It allows shopping offline. Um, it allows connectivity when you've got low network as well. So you can still continue to shop with a pretty poor connection service on your mobile. Uh, it's, support, it's sports responsive. Um, and there's a bunch of other um, benefits as well. Um, shareability. You can also create a link on your, on your home page as well, uh, on your phone, which looks like a native app. So you can do lots of things that native apps can do. And, and I think it can enable us to go a lot faster in the shorter term whilst we work out well is there a need for a native app down uh, in in, in a months or years time for beautify not yet but we went with progressive first the reason why it was the hardest choice though is because progressive obviously is a, is a google technology and so apple are lagging a little bit and so we'd be only serving half our audience around progressive experience and so what does that mean to the other half who's got ios experience well it doesn't mean that much in the early days, but when we start to use more richer progressive services, uh, maybe in a year or two years time, there may be a need to actually build native apps as well. But again, it's a long time off. Let's go with uh, what we need today. Um, a few more then before I hand over to Redin. So, so we understand how we're gonna build it, how we're gonna deploy it, what type of experience we're gonna have. Then the final kind of decision is, well, what type of rendering technology are we, are we most interested in, why? And so I guess it's, there's two real decisions here, a little nuance around static sites, but client-side rendering is obviously one of the approaches we could have gone with. It allows a faster response because the website is going to be sent, served to the customer very, very quickly. And then the website will then organically uh, render on the client side as it grows. Uh, some of the disadvantages there for us specifically was around that organic search elements. It's a slower user experience as a whole because they need all the shopping experience, but it's not as discoverable as, as server-side rendered um, sites. So the actual page is rendered on the server. Obviously, that's a slower experience because then the user's got to wait before the page is fully built on the server and then served over to the clients. But it allows it to be a lot more discoverable by the bots. Um, but we actually went with static sites generation, which is a, another step away from um, server-side rendering, because then it treats those assets that it builds more like images, which then can be distributed onto CDNs. And so it creates an incredibly fast experience. We're seeing page loads of below 100 milliseconds for some of the pages we're serving around the static content, which is incredible speeds, both for the end consumer and for discoverability. And so, um, so that's really driven a lot of our technology decisions that, that Redding will, will touch on shortly. Finally, then, before I hand over to Redding, um, some of the earlier um, benefits. We've not moved the whole site over to the new one yet. We've started to segment it and move it incrementally instead of having a big bang. So some of the bits we've moved over already are seeing some incredible results. Again, our performance score on Lighthouse is nearly 100. It's in the 90s. Very few uh, platforms out there can get anywhere near that. The leading e-commerce site that I could find had around 24 performance score, and that's one of the better ones. And so we've already started with a really high level of capability and engineering 
by using and choosing some of the latest technologies to allow us to align everything to our business goal, which is speed, performance, and accessibility. Okay, um, so that's around how we ended up with like what we're trying to build and why. So I'm gonna hand over to Reddy and he's gonna walk through the specifics around, well, why Next.js and why Tracker? Over to you, Reddy. Thanks, Carl. Um, hey, everyone. So yeah, as Carl mentioned um, in the early days, uh, our, our initial focus was to uh, potentially give uh, do a bit of work with regards to the existing site. So we, we did uh, improve the performance of the existing site, but at the same time, we also had to um, make some decisions on the technologies that we use to ideally um, to achieve, um, uh, you know, a, good end result, especially from a, a UX perspective. So um, our North Star in making those decisions was to try and get a sub-second uh, page load times for our um, web, web visitors, visitors vis basically vis visiting the Beautify website via, via browser. Um, majority of our user base are also um, mobile. Uh, mobile users um, therefore the decision to try and um, reduce uh, as much work um, or to try and reduce the amount of work that's done on the on the client sites um, uh, okay I, I guess we can leave the questions in the end we can go through the questions in the end sorry just a question popped up um, so yeah, so reducing the, the bundle size, reducing uh, pretty much the, the payload that is shipped on via, you know, from the server to the client um, um, was, was um, one of the aspects of us making um, decisions um, from a technical perspective to try and um, improve the UX performance. So one of them was Next, um, which is a React framework, most probably um, most of you are, are familiar with. Um, to be totally open, uh, not most of us in the team had uh, commercial experience with Next um, and the approach we took to try and um, uh, validate the assumption that Next is a good uh, framework for us was to, um, we, we, we generally do that quite often, um, especially and during uh, exploration phases of new technologies and libraries, we do proofs of concept. So we did um, a few proofs of concept um, using Next um, and to try and see the, um, the impact that uh, Next could have in a, from a developer experience uh, perspective, performance, and all the other um, uh, key metrics that we were measuring. Um, developer experience was definitely um, uh, uh, and metrics that we were measuring and, and validating um, the assumptions on, and Next has, has proven to to give a very good um, developer experience. They have very good uh, documentation, easy to follow, very good. Um, um, some, they have some very good tutorial as well, you know, simple to follow, very intuitive. Um, localized routing also was uh, important. Our Beauty, Beautyfy platform is currently um, operational in the UK and the US, and um, and soon um, the idea is to, to 
create a platform that can have a very quick turnaround time um, and the ability to move quickly onto a new market if necessary. Um, so next uh, on that regard performed pretty good. Uh, server-side rendering and um, was was also a requirement for us and in the process we've, we found out that next also had um, hybrid capabilities of offering um, static side generation and incremental uh, static generation and these were very very nice um, uh, features that came out of uh, out of the box with next and um, required a bit of tuning on our on our end um, we we had to do a bit of um, a juggling and a bit of uh, fine tuning uh, given the content uh, in our case was coming from uh, Contentful, a headless CMS. Um, and everything is done uh, with regards to the static side generation, everything is done in build time. Um, so that was um, an interesting challenge. We also had to think of how code and content schema go hand in hand together. So uh, we, we, we solved that uh, by using um, environments and aliases in Contentful, where each feature branch is matched in a one-to-one -one relationship with a main clone environment um, in Contentful. And once, once the acceptance criteria is met and the business uh, stakeholders are happy uh, with the feature presented um, in, a, in, this, in our uh, preview environments, ephemeral environments, then uh, once everything is merged into the main trunk, um, a new uh, sort of uh, main uh, environment is created in, in Contentful. All the uh, migration schema and script, migration scripts is run against that environment. And uh, in the end, when everything is ready to, be, to go live, um, a, a switch is flipped. Uh, but on the alias, on uh, targeting the new updated uh, schema and content environment and contentful that makes development um, experience very, very, very good, as well as zero downtime in, in, with regards to deploys. Smart bundling also was a very, uh, very nice um, sort of an automatic uh, code splitting was very nice uh, um, optimizations out of the box. Uh, coming with next TypeScript support. So we also adopted TypeScript. Initially, we started just pure JavaScript, ES6. And then um, a, a few weeks in, into the project, TypeScript was suggested by one of our uh, developers. And um, as with anything else, we did a quick POC um, and um, everyone seemed happy with it. I, I for one, um, very much like the um, the ID experience and the auto completion that TypeScript came with, and um, all the um, the the the, 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 um, the benefits of having a, a, a type sort of um, uh, system to to help you um, use components the right way. I'm sure you can do the same um, if you just used. Um, uh, pure JavaScript. There's ways you can you can uh, enforce them, but uh, TypeScript for us 
was, was quite nice. Image optimizations, um, as you know, BeautyPy is a e-commerce uh, site focused on the health and beauty uh, industry, uh, which means that imagery uh, is very important. So we couldn't, um, we couldn't afford to um, just throw image tags on the page and serve the highest, uh, best resolution image um, on, 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 on the browser, because that means um, user experience would, would um, take a hit. Uh, lots of network requests, lots of uh, rendering, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, uh, the next image tag introduced in next uh, version 10, if I'm not mistaken, was a very, a very nice um, optimizations um, to get out of the box. It has improved quite a bit in the latest versions. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, it's been a very nice um, feature for us. Uh, preview content mode um, uh, and very and the uh, easiness in, config in configuring next was also another um, uh, feature, another functionality that, that we considered and by preview content, what we mean is the ability to for our edit our content editors to be able to uh, sort of render our content pages without publishing them, but to be able to see how how they look without uh, them being uh, promoted to production yet. Um, and this is um, this achieved in combination with uh, Contentful by our um, preview uh, preview content modes, I think they, they call it in Contentful. It's basically um, a, a, a cookie which is set on, on the browser, um, which can be used on the Next.js side to, to say which uh, content state should um, should the application fetch for. Um, in, in Contentful, there's two content states, draft and, and published. So the, the preview cookie pretty much on the browser instructs the Next.js application to fetch the draft content rather than the published content. This is a very nice uh, feature indeed. Um, and lots of other optimizations, like um, especially with the, um, with the out of the box Webpack configs and uh, chunking and um, other uh, automated um, um, like code splitting, the ability to only load what's necessary on the route, um, as well as the ability to prefetch um, assets or um, other routes if necessary. And um, the initial version of, uh, of the static work that we did, static content work that we did was, was um, deployed um, via the Vercel platform that, um, that made, made development experience and, and time to market pretty fast. We were able to um, have our, um, not the production version of the slices of the website as, as Paul mentioned, but the, the um, pre-production environment set up in a matter of days and where we were able to get feedback by the business relatively quickly. Um, hold on. And Chakra, yes, Chakra is a React UI component library. Um, we initially um, were, were looking for um, uh, ways uh, or libraries or frameworks, CSS frameworks to be able to allow us to build our own UI toolkit. Um, 
from experience, uh, most of our developers have seen the, the value of having our own UI toolkit organized, document, well documented, and, uh, and um, to hopefully offer us the ability to comp easily compose the, um, uh, our UI interfaces. Uh, track Rackim as, as, a, as a suggestion by one of our um, uh, developers. I think he might be on this call. I think I, 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 I saw his name. Um, 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 Radu, if he's on the call, um, hello. <laughs> so uh, Radu, uh, one of our developers, he uh, suggested Chakra. He'd worked with it before and he had had, he had, had a, a good experience. Um, we, at that time, we had two POCs in, in the making. Uh, all of us had experience with Bootstrap, um, with uh, Material UI, maybe some of us with Semantic UIs, uh, pure CSS. Um, we, but we had two contenders um, and the last uh, POCs that we were considering. One was Tailwind and the other was Chakra. To be totally frank, um, Chakra um, had had a bit of a resistance by the rest of the development team, um, partly because of um, our us not being uh, familiar with it. And, um, but in the end, um, it was interesting uh, what we uncovered. We, we built pretty much the same POCs for both using Tailwind and Chakra, and we put them through PageSpeed Insights um, to check how those uh, two PLPs were were um, were performing against each other, and although Chakra meant the uh, or, so the Chakra POC came with a a little a, a bit more bloated uh, size in terms of uh, its bundle, so the bundle was the Chakra bundle was higher. For some reason was uh, performing uh, much better um, in, in PageSpeed Insights consistently. Um, that was a huge surprise to me because the um, the POC in, in Tailwind, I, I had worked on it, must probably have done something wrong, but um, I worked on it and I used Purge CSS and, um, and some other um, improved uh, sort of uh, pre-processing works to try and cut down the, uh, the CSS bundle and the, the Tailwind CSS bundle was about two kilobytes of CSS and then the chakra still managed to perform better um, on, on the uh, on PageSpeed Insights. Though, um, as mentioned, there was a bit of friction, partly because of familiarity, um, but um, I, can, I can now say with confidence that uh, uh, after a bit of a, a bit of a learning curve to move from a, a CSS mindset into a, into a, a self-contained UI component mindset, where styled, as, as you know, Tracker, maybe some of you, Tracker is based on style systems and emotion for theming, but style systems has this concept of styling via props. Uh, you pass in props to components um, that uh, uh, sort of force the um, look and feel of the UI uh, of that component. Um, emotion, um, so on top of emotion for theming, it has very nice um, uh, theming capabilities. Um, it comes up with, uh, I think, around 50 plus uh, default components. Um, the other nice thing about Chakra that we um, 
sort of came about to learn was um, accessibility. And most of its um, interactive components are built uh, using uh, conforming to the uh, W3C uh, Web Accessibility Initiative uh, standards, which is very nice, very nice uh, to have. Um, great defaults and, and very good documentation. And um, I might have forgotten to mention, but uh, there's a very good um, community around the project and very helpful with all the issues we had as we had our teething pains in the beginning. Um, and and we, 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 um, we were supported by the community quite a bit. And uh, sorry, I forgot to mention our North Star did for, for this UI toolkit um, that will allow us to build UI, to compose UI interfaces easily uh, for all our developers was to the ability to, to compose these um, interfaces without writing a single line of CSS. And um, so far uh, with a relatively matured UI toolkit that we have at the moment, I think we've achieved it. Um, so yes, we can build uh, UI, um, we can compose UI interfaces without writing CSS because of the, um, the ready-built components, which are documented via Storybook and uh, nicely documented by Storybook and makes, um, makes the, um, the uh, ability for developers to, to, to follow um, their usage very, uh, very easy and, and, and collaboration much, much, much nicer. Uh, right, uh, quality, yes. So um, initially we were running fast, like just like any other project. And um, at some point we realized that um, the team was getting, was, was growing and um, we, um, we were probably running too fast for, for our, our good. Uh, we took a step back and um, we reviewed um, all our sort of uh, processes and ways of working. And, um, and we decided that, you know, we had to do something about it. Um, peer programming is, um, it's a practice which is widely um, uh, supported uh, across our team. Um, we leave it to the developers um, uh, uh, discretion or the, the developer's uh, decision when to use it and how to use it. We're not too religious about it and not a few, I know a few other companies do it uh, by default and there's, you know, there's tons of um, use, uh, sort of um, um, cases that, um, uh, that they, 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 they proved that that's a good practice. Therefore, we've introduced it and we support it widely across the team and, and developers do it um, as and when they please. Peer reviews, um, generally um, when there is peer programming involved, we, we don't really spend too much on peer review side, but uh, if, if I've worked in isolation on a given feature, I'd very much like uh, my peers to, to be able to review it and by peer review, um, we are quite uh, quite um, elaborate in the sense that we, we, we're not just looking to the uh, you know the, the side by side um, comparison that you normally get in GitHub of, or on your code changes. Uh, I guess unless it's a one line change, but if it's um, it's a major change which touches potentially a vertical of of, uh, of components or functionality. 
we um we we check out the, the code locally we run it we run the test suite so, well not really but test suite is automatically run um on pro uh, and pr states but we ensure that we, we try and capture the context of the feature itself um which is which which is something that you you can you, you can't really get if you just look at the um, uh, the diff split view in in, uh, in GitHub, and and, um, and yeah, we suggest improvements if if we believe um, we can improve things. Um, unit testing um, and integration testing, uh, JavaScript and Jest um, and React testing library were um, were tools you know were very standard tools that. Um, that have proven very useful to us in years and, and we see wide adoption in the team. Uh, visual uh, UI component testing, we, we um, once we decided to use Chakra and to build our own UI sort of uh, on top of Chakra, build our own set of components or theme the existing components that come with Chakra, we, um, we uh, present them or we, we document them by a storybook. Um, and we also uh, incorporated chromatic as a UI testing for these components in isolation. So what chromatic does is takes the storybook uh, version of a component, renders it, and um, at the moment it takes um, screenshots of, um, of three different viewports, a mobile des uh, tablet and desktop, and keeps a reference of the baseline of that component and compares all future, um, say, pull requests or changes to those components. Um, it does the same operation and compares it to the baseline. If there is differences, um, it, it, uh, it, it flags them as, as, um, as something has changed. And um, one of us, when we do the peer review, also has to accept those changes if those changes are intended. But if it was an unintended, uh, side effects um, we we uh, flag them and um, and uh, we, you know that way we um, hopefully stop something a bug from making it to production functional uh, functional and visual diff testing using cypress um, the functional end-to-end um, -end testing of cypress is it's 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 very nice the visual diff testing of it is not at least it wasn't easy for, in our case to set it up, especially uh, taking into account the uh, differences in um, in rendering, of the, the minute differences in terms of uh, how browsers render or um, uh, pages in across different environments. Our CI/CD pipeline is in GitHub Actions and. Um, the um, the GitHub action is yeah so the GitHub workflow uh, which was uh, configured to run the visual diff test was running on a um, on a Ubuntu uh, container uh, while most of us develop using uh, MacBooks some of us also develop using uh, Windows systems and um, we 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 found that uh, we found that. To be quite a pain to be able to update the the baseline images and it follows the same concept as chromatic takes a snapshot um, and uh, and compares it with the subsequent ones um, 
so we, with that in mind, what we did is we, we then reduced the scope of the visual diff testing to try and capture only some of the critical um, uh, components in pages, um, maybe some uh, collection of cards and, and, um, and things like that to try and um, minimize the false positives um, that we had with visual diff testing. We keep that to a minimum. Um, we, we, we sort of, um, we base it, or we, we develop more on the, um, on the functional testing side. Performance testing, that half, as Carl mentioned, is integrated in our uh, CICD. It runs as, um, right after uh, the deploy has uh, completed in our ephemeral preview branches. And um, it's a very good indicator to let us know if we've introduced uh, any, any, um, any degradation uh, in terms of uh, performance, accessibility, SEO, the PWA nature of the uh, application or best practices. Uh, functional testing and uh, and load testing of, of the API or contract testing, other, otherwise known as contract testing, is done using uh, K6 and uh, artillery. Uh, static code analysis via SonarCube, which is very nice to um, give us um, you know, a, a peace of mind as part of the CICD that we haven't introduced any any code smells or, um, or any vulnerabilities. Um, it, sort of cube, um, the defaults might be a little bit um, over the top, but it requires a bit of fine tuning once you get it um, to, to what um, you think is sensible for your project. It's a very nice automated service to, to uh, statically analyze your code. CICD via GitHub Actions, as mentioned, um, has proven to, to, to work quite well for us. And um, we're, we're quite happy so far. Right, so yes, in terms of uh, continuous delivery, so developers um, work on, on their local, uh, local uh, machines. Um, we're following um, what, what is generally called, uh, or known as, um, as main, main trunk development or close to main trunk development with short-lived feature branches um, which um, once they are pushed to GitHub and uh, a pull request is open, triggers um, a set of, um, a set of uh, operations via GitHub Actions, um, starting with um, static code analysis, um, running, um, so deploying the feature in isolation at the moment in, in Vercel. Um, uh, we're also looking and uh, working in parallel to, to move some of it or potentially all of it into AWS because um, Vercel is good for, for quick prototyping, but then as, as the uh, project grows, grows wider, um, there's a few other um, constraints that you need to think of it. Um, being a black triangle, I like to think of it as a not a black box, but black triangle at times, you need to make some decisions, especially regards to um, integration. So how do you do things like log draining and stuff? Um, they do have some out of the box integrations, but uh, um, if you want something like um, training your logs, let's say in CloudWatch in AWS, you have to write your own, um, uh, your own, uh, your application that integrates with, with your uh, application Vercel. And they have their own way of writing um, sort of these um, integrating integrated packages but that makes things a little bit 
harder, but uh, generally speaking, for quick prototyping, it was really good. Um, and so the feature is deployed in isolation. Testing um, is is run as again unit testing, building, um, linting, type checking, um, statical analysis. Um, Lighthouse um, is run against um, our, our um, endpoints and reports and the pull request. Um, um, Sonar Cube as well um, reports and um, all the other GitHub actions, as you can see it on the snapshot on the right. Um, um, the end to end test, um, the um, chromatic uh, UI tests and UI reviews. Uh, and Cypress ones, and they have to be satisfied and, and green before a pull request is basically merged. Um, we do have some checks as well in, in our local environments just before we push stuff to uh, to GitHub. That uh, hopefully helps um, trying to ca catch any any um, linting or any type checking um, issues or any build issues that could be captured. Um, in, in, in public, I mean, in, in our local environment before that reaches uh, GitHub. Um, this, this is pretty much it. And uh, in the ephemeral environment, the test environment, uh, the, other, the other potentially um, thing to mention here is that uh, during the deploy process, we also have the, uh, um, what I mentioned earlier, the uh, contentful environment cloning, which goes um, hand in hand with so pretty much code, schema, and content, they all go hand in hand and uh, they don't go out of sync. So this creates that um, nice um, stability and, uh, and uh, also ensures that you'll never, your schema and, and, and code and content don't go out of sync. That's all for me. I hope I've covered everything and uh, looking forward to questions later. Thank you, Radian, that's yeah, super helpful. Um, Again, given it's what ten to seven, should we jump straight into the questions? So let me look and um, yeah, yeah. some of these first. So one of them is uh, yeah, thank you for presenting. Do people really shop on their forty-inch screen and TV screen? So um, probably not yet. I think I guess I was using that to <laughs> to explain. Uh, that people use all devices and so maybe a 14 inch TV screen or 42 inch one, no. Although that said, my kids go browse into it on their, the, the screen downstairs. So I don't think that's a primary channel for us today. I think it's really that we just don't know and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, our main channels are desktop, tablet and, and mobile today. But even those give us a plethora of different challenges to try and service a good user experience on those like three types of devices. And mobile alone is, is is something which goes from a very small device to a very large one, and, and that in itself makes it interesting from a UX perspective. So I think it's a fair comment, though. Yeah, it's not something which we are, are shopping on 42-inch TVs quite yet. I, I can take the next one, Carl, if you want. Yeah, go for um, it. So one from Tristan. Tristan says, uh, do you know if you have a lot of customers that added your PWA to the home screen so that they have the best mobile first experience? Well, the honest answer to that, Tristan, is um, we don't think um, most of our customers are, have uh, installed the uh, 
uh, application to the home screen, uh, mainly because of the um, what Karan mentioned earlier, that our, our transition for the Beauty Pie website it's a scale transition. So the um, the application that is currently at PWA, um, if if you guys want to have a look, it's the blog pages. And the blog pages is running, um, so the routing to blog pages is done via Cloud, uh, Cloudflare. So Cloudflare is our, our CDN and uh, we're using that to route requests between the existing uh, Pie website, which is built in, in a legacy um, uh, e-commerce platform serving uh, pages via JSP and et cetera. Uh, while the blog, for example, in this case, it's uh, it's a PWA, and we've struggled to um, to uh, configure the scope of the PWA, considering these two are two different applications. So it might look like as part of the same sort of uh, uh, domain, but they're very yeah very different applications in the background. We are currently working on the PLPs and PDP. So currently we are in the process of building the shop front. So once we have the shop front completed and be able to take over um, all the traffic from BeautyPie website, uh, this, this is surely gonna be an available feature and um, it will pop up the plus on your um, like Chrome, Chrome plus bar. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I think, hope, um, I one more for me, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Rasban. So Rasban asked, uh, I know Rasban. So how large, how large is the development team, and do you have any plans to split in the app into something like micro front ends, or is it way too early for that? Uh, are you laying the foundation for something like that? So, so we are we're aiming to be around thirty people in product engineering by the end of this quarter. So by the end of March, we're around twenty or so today, uh, and we're currently aligning around. Um, the value streams within our app and so if you think of where there's value and how we align our teams around that value is that's larger how we organize teams today so cross-functionally and so we have a, a team which is a shop-based team so how do we optimize the experience around finding the products you're looking for and adding them to a, a, a bag or a cart um, a hugely important part of the experience SEO and organic search really is really important there because that's where Google are trying to optimize again um, on so if somebody's searching for a product on Google search that's where they want them to land up on the product that's best for them uh, but also personalization that we want to be able to learn and understand our customers as much as we can through data and heuristics and science so that when they are searching it's not a difficult going into the shop or our e-commerce and trying to find it on every shelf we know them enough to be able to serve content so that it's an easy shopping experience so a load of innovation we want to do that uh, but then the next one is around the value stream around checkout as in i've got stuff in my bag i want to place an order and, and so that's really covering for us right now the kind of commitment elements of it as in we are a membership-based organization and so the level of commitment before somebody places order is higher yeah the friction is higher and so there's a bunch of innovation we're doing there with a, and again another value-based team to understand how do we iterate and learn around again reducing um the friction at the point of order um, and how do we deal with anxiety around commitment? Great. Um, I'm not sure, uh, there, there seems to be quite a few questions and I'm not sure we have enough time 
do we have a hard stop at seven or can we carry on answering the questions? I'm happy to. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not sure to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure if it cuts out or not, but why don't you just try and get I, through okay. them and then it, it cuts out, it okay. cuts out. But, yeah. And if, um, I apologize in advance if I can't cover all of them. And maybe we can write a blog post at some at some point and I'll try and answer them. All right, the next one is from Matthew. Uh, Matthew says, how flexible is, is it to swap the tech framework once you've achieved the search engine optimizations Carl took about? I mean, from server side to client side rendering. Well, Matthew, um, although crawlers, um, uh, search engine crawlers have become very good at understanding client side rendered applications, there is quite a high evidence from our SEO consultants indicating that server-side rendering, meaning the ability to ship the, the markup and the content as quickly as possible to the end user that renders on that initial load, on in, initial render on the browser, it's, it's much preferred from an SEO perspective. So um, switching to client-side rendering um, would mean that we would potentially um, get a hit on the SEO side. There is evidence and there is some articles out there which uh, indicate that the Google search crawler, it's, it's smarter and can, can um, uh, understand JavaScript and try and uh, render things as, as it will in a, in a browser. But um, uh, at the same time, we've got some, some um, indication from our SEO consultants that server-side rendering or the ability to ship on that initial render, everything that needs to be crawled, it's it's the much preferred way. So if we went back, it would be taking a hit on SEO. Um, the other one is, uh, would it make sense to use Next.js for internet projects? Absolutely, yes. Uh, Next.js is just a React framework and um, comes with a lot of um, um, optimizations and, and, uh, and benefits out of the box. So yes, it's just a React framework to build web applications. Um, another one from Gavin. Uh, how did you make decision between Next.js and Gatsby? Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> so I was trying to think, I knew this question would come up. <laughs> I was trying to think of an analogy. Um, Next.js and Gatsby, if you were to compare them, I'd probably, maybe not the best analogy, but um, I'll give it a go anyway. Um, so it's something like um, a, a Ferrari and the Lamborghini. Um, those are, you know, very good, super, super cars, but they have very different ways of um, manufacturing and, and different concepts in terms of, uh, of functioning, I guess. They achieve, um, they achieve the same thing, but um, their approaches are different. In terms of um, why didn't we choose Gatsby? Um, probably, um, I, I don't want to be technically incorrect here. I know Gatsby is a great tool and a great system. Um, I've, I'd used it in a, in a personal project for a, a, a blog. The, the, the idea that Next offers you this um, hybrid um, uh, operational model in terms of rendering, so you can render things on server side, you can statically generate or even incrementally static, statically generate stuff was very, uh, very tempting, very desired for us. 
we are uh, operating in a, in a e-commerce business. And one of the highly sort of dynamic um, pieces of information, especially for, for products, is, is stock levels. And we wanted um, to consider that dynamicity nature of that piece of content. I know Gatsby, although I don't know Gatsby as good as I know Next now. Um, I know Gatsby, uh, Gatsby's approach to it. It can be achieved, but um, I, I think you have to go through um, plugins. Uh, but uh, it's general um, static generation of pages, pretty much just HTML, JavaScript, and, and CSS in a folder-based structure with a HTML file, and do what what what. So it does everything you need to, to render that page. And then it has the concept of hydrating at the latest state by exposing the GraphQL um, uh, API in the at render time. It's potentially achievable, but in our case, we, uh, we pick next. Um, um, so I think they're both great technologies. And um, yeah, Gatsby would have probably done the job for us as well, just that, um, most probably with a bit more, um, with a bit more um, exploration on our end, at least, because none of us had had um, extensive or commercial experience with Gatsby. And the other one, uh, are we okay? Two more, ready? I think we're good then. Yeah, just maybe one more quick. Uh... Uh, 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 okay, I'm just trying to. All right, I'll go in in um, in in uh, in order then, so that uh, we. So the other one is from Matthew. What would you say um, the upside scaling is? Is it easy to take up, and uh, do you think it's transferable? Do we know what the usage is in the industry? Um, yes, definitely. And uh, next is is an up up and trending uh, framework. So um, uh, and learning it as as a framework is definitely. Um, it's def I would say it's definitely um, a, a good skill to have. Lots of uh, companies are, are adopting Next um, in, their, in their development. And um, is it transferable? Of course, I would say yes, um, especially um, moving from a sort of a create React um, client-side rendering way of thinking into the, 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 the server side. Um, I think it's it's a very common trend, especially with regards to performance and other optimizations and uh, other operations that you could potentially offload to the server, which um, rather than pushing it to the client, it's it's a reverse uh, way of thinking from what we were maybe a few years ago. Um, but um, it's it's I think it's um, it's it's very uh, very good to learn. Thank you, Radian. Um, cool. Matthew, then over back over to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, answering those questions, Radian and, uh, and Carl. And yeah, it was a really interesting talk. So yeah, thanks for that. I, I know there's a few questions there that haven't been answered. So I don't know if we like Radian, are we able to like share your details on the meetup if, it, if anyone's got any follow-up questions? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll try. Uh, I'm just copy paste copying um, the questions uh, from the chat at the moment. Okay. Please don't don't. Um, yeah, I won't end the call just yet. the call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if you can do that, that'd be great. And then we'll try and get those mm -hmm. answers back to people. Um, but yeah, I, I know that a few people joined sort of throughout 
um, today. So if you missed anything, the it, the recording should be going out tomorrow or the day after. So yeah, we'll send that via meetup to everyone anyway. So yeah, if you miss anything, you can catch up on, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, no, thanks again, Carl and, and Reddy. And it's really interesting and uh, great to get your, your thoughts. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So thanks everyone for joining. Um, Reddy, have you finished copy and pasting or do you want me to help? I did, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did uh, finish copy and pasting. Right. And I uh, pasted, so we'll make sure we'll figure out a way to yeah. answer those questions. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'll, I'll be in touch tomorrow then. And um, yeah, thanks a lot, everyone, and have a good evening. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Good, thank you. Good, good evening. Yeah. Bye. Bye.